Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. For today, because Allie's kids go to Belton schools and Belton closed and Allie said, you know what, I'm going to be here anyway. And so her kids are here in childcare, and um, we're just blessed to have Allie speak to us again. So would you pray with me as we pray for Allie? God, we love you. We thank you for what you've taught us through your word as we've discussed today in our groups. And now we pray, God, that you would speak to us through Allie and that you would help us to to put aside all the cares of the day, all of the stresses that are involved, um, the school closures and the roads and our Um, our homes, everything that we're worried about, God, would you help us to just lay those aside and listen intently to you, and we expect to hear from you, Father, and we thank you for speaking to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right. Can everybody hear me? Hello. Hi. We're back. So today we are going to be talking about um, Acts 9... 32 through the end of chapter 12, and um, I'm talking about how the gospel went out to the Gentiles, and this is a fairly pivotal event in the book of Acts. So um, the verse that we've kind of talked about all semester long so far is this verse in 1-8, and this is what we see happening in the book of Acts. We say, we see um, the gospel of Jesus going out to the entire world. So, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we've already seen um, the witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and now we're getting to see the gospel go out to the Gentiles. Um, And I would say that there are three major events that happen in Acts, and they're all really tied to that verse. The first one we see in Acts 2, which was Pentecost, which was the Holy Spirit coming down upon the believers in Jerusalem. And the next one we see is the next major event is the conversion of Saul to Paul, which we saw last week. And this next one is the conversion of Cornelius here in Acts 10. And this is really um, something that was controversial back then because up until that point, God, the gospel, everything has been for the Jews. And so um, this week we see Jesus tearing down walls um, left and right. Um, So the first thing we're going to start with in Acts is Um, talking about the authority of Peter. So the beginning of this passage, um, we see, we go back to Peter from Paul, or Saul, whichever point you're at, um, and we see Peter on a journey, and he goes down to um, a man named Aeneas. And Aeneas is paralyzed. He's been bedridden for eight years. And we see the authority of Paul by the healing over sickness in Aeneas. And we also see him next go to the healing of Dorcas or Tabitha, and he um, raises her from the dead. 
And I want to point out that Paul, or not Paul, sorry, Peter. There's too many P names <laughs> happening right now. Peter um, is very quick to point out that the power that he is showing is not him. So the power that he is showing whenever he heals Aeneas and the power when he raises Dorcas or Tabitha from the dead is not him. He's very quick to point out that the authority is from Jesus and it's given to him by Jesus. Um, And so the next thing we see is the humbling of Peter. And we start to see this even at the end of chapter 9 when he goes to um, rise Tabitha from the dead. And immediately from there, they ask him to stay in Joppa. And he goes to stay with Simon the Tanner. And um, the first few times I read through this, I didn't think much of it. Like, okay, he stayed with the Tanner. That's cool. Um, But for the Jews, that would be a big deal. Um, Tanners were rendered perpetually unclean because they were dealing with dead animals. So the fact that Peter stayed with Simon, this Tanner, was a big deal. God was already starting to break down the walls between the Jews and the Gentiles, even in Peter's heart. Um, And we continue to see Jesus doing that. So the very next thing that you you flash to from them telling you that Peter is staying with um, Simon the Tanner is we go to Cornelius. And um, we're introduced to him, really, it starts with them telling you where he's located. Um, He lived in Caesarea, and... Caesarea was the capital um, city of the Roman occupation of Israel. And the Jews did not like this place, right? So it is kind of the representation of everything they dislike in their land. It's Roman-occupied. They called it the Daughter of Edom, which is a place of ungodliness, and um, it's a symbolic name for Rome. And typically, Jews wouldn't associate there. They don't want to be there. It's it's Rome, right? Um, And so Cornelius lives there. He's a well-respected centurion. Um, He's in charge of about 100 other soldiers. Um, And the Bible is quick, points out here um, that he is a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Um, So his devotion to the Lord is well noted, and the Jewish people respected him. Um, He's what they may have called a proselyte at the time. Um, But he, while respected by the Jews because he follows the Ten Commandments and he's um, giving to the poor and giving to the widows, he's still held at arm's length because he's not a Jew. Um, so he, that means he's not circumcised, and he isn't following a particular kosher diet, right? So while respected, he's still held at arm's length um, by those Jews. And so we see here Cornelius is given a vision, and in his vision, he's told to send for Peter in Joppa, um, He's in the middle of praying when this vision comes to him. And um, the next thing that you see is them going, he sends to Joppa um, some servants to go get Peter. 
And Peter is up on his housetop the next day praying while they're approaching the city, and he also is given a vision. Um, So we're going to read in Acts 10, in verse 9. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanting something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opening and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So we see here kind of complementary visions between Cornelius and Peter. So they're both praying. They both have an angel of the Lord come to them and speak to them. Um, And it's interesting because the first time I read through this, I couldn't help but sort of um, relate Peter to Jonah because both men are given a mission by God, right? Go do this thing. And both of them are like, no, that sounds terrible. Have you met those people? Um, And thankfully in here, we see Peter's obedience. Jonah has to go drag, you know, God's dragging him by his feet, kicking and screaming. Um, And thankfully, Peter here responds to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Um, But we see here, God really in this moment is converting Peter. And he's not converting him to Christianity because Peter's already a believer, but he's converting him to the implications of Christianity and what it means. Um, Because up until this point, um, the Gentiles were not wanted. They were kind of irredeemable, really. And that's not what the gospel tells us. That's not who the gospel is. The gospel is not for the good religious people. The gospel is for the broken and the sinful. Um, And those implications change the way that Peter lived his life from then on. Um, And you see in Galatians, um, I'm just going to flip there, that this is something that he struggled with. Um, In Galatians 2, 11 through 14, Um, is when Paul is kind of calling Peter out for the same issue here. It says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So this is something that he continues to struggle with. um, Because these men and women at the time were Jews first. Um, It was their identity. It's who they were. Everything about their life was wrapped up in the fact that they were Jews. Um, And Jesus just kind of tilts that up on its end and tells them that that's not what's important about who they are. What's important about who they are 
is their belief that Jesus died, that he lived the perfect life, he died, and that he rose again as an atonement for their sins. Um, and that was a radical, radical thing. It's still radical, <laughs> but especially at this time for these people, um, it was a radical, radical change for them. So then we see um, Peter, well, is retrieved, right? So they bring him to Caesarea, and um, they gather at Cornelius' house. And Cornelius is excited to meet this man that he's seen in the vision. And he has basically a party ready for Peter when he gets there. So he's got all of his family and his best friends, and they're just waiting to hear um, the gospel, which um, I find funny because this is like every pastor's dream, right? <laughs> Going into a house where everyone is eager for the word of God. Um, and the first thing that Cornelius does is to stop and worship Peter. And Peter stops him in his tracks and says, where is it? Um, Stand up, I too am a man. And the two men here, they relay their visions to one another. And Peter shares the good news with Cornelius and his family and his friends. Um, and Peter sees how God is working, and he rejoices. He shares the gospel with them. He's prompted by this Holy Spirit and shares the gospel with this group of people. And I, I find it funny um, what happens here because he's talking, he's sharing the gospel, and he's interrupted <laughs> by the coming of the Holy Spirit on these Gentiles. He doesn't even get to finish, um, which makes sense. They were all a little wordy. Um, but we see then the Holy Spirit poured out even on the Gentiles. Um, and I find it interesting because I, my previous talk was over Acts 2, which was the Pentecost. Um, and I couldn't help but notice some similarities between these two events. So in Acts 2, 4, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell out on all who heard. Um, in Acts 2.4, they respond to the Spirit by speaking in tongues. In Acts 10.46, they speak in tongues and extol God. Um, in Acts 2, the onlookers are amazed. In Acts 10, same thing. And their response in both situations to the coming of the Holy Spirit is to rejoice and be baptized. And um, I doubt that these similarities were lost on Peter. Because you, you couldn't really get more <laughs> of the same. And um, I love that he says, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Um, and his response is joy. His response is humility. His response is to see that Jesus is working in spite of any prejudice he may have. Um, which brings us to the mission of Peter. So from here on out, we see um, Peter's response to this big, life-changing event. And he goes up to uh, Judea, 
and or to Jerusalem, sorry, and he speaks to the circumcised party, so the leaders of the Jewish group, um, and he shares with the church what happened. He talks about his vision, and he talks about the vision of Cornelius, and that he saw the Holy Spirit fall on them, and that they were baptized, and their response was very convicting to me this week. It really made me think and question and just kind of search my heart because their response um, in verse 18 of chapter 11 is, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Um, Which is not what I would have expected their response to be. Um, All of their lives, they have lived out the law. They've held it as this standard that while unattainable, they were going to just do everything that they could to follow it. Um, It was their identity. It was who they were. And many of the, the Jewish leaders in the text do not respond in this way. Um, because it's the way it's always been. It's tradition. It's all of these things that I just know and love and I'm comfortable with. And as I was reading this, I just started wondering, like, what are those things for me? Um, Because I know I have them. And often I feel like I'm probably not very conscious of them um, when it's happening. But I started asking myself, what am I listening to and following that's just comfortable? If some truth came to me, would I stop and say, that's clearly God is working here. It might not be what I think it should look like, but that doesn't make it wrong. And, um, you know, I'm still kind of wrestling through those things. Um, But I think the church has a lot of them to deal with, the global church of how we worship, how we pray. Um, You know, are we witnessing to people that look just like us? Are we reaching people that we don't have anything in common with? Um, Because that's what they were doing here. They had nothing in common with these Gentiles. And yet Jesus said, you do. You're sinners and you need me, and they're sinners, and they need me. And um, that was just really convicting for me this week um, as I just sort of wrestled with being impressed that that, that their immediate response um, was to worship God and say yes. Um, So I guess I would ask the same question of, of you guys. What would God call us to say yes to? even though it's uncomfortable, um, which isn't always fun. But um, So from here we see kind of the wrapping up the passage. Um, you see the response. Peter goes. He's sharing the gospel with Gentiles. Um, and then we see in chapter 12 um, sort of the attempt at the destruction of the church. Um, So we start with Herod um, killing James. And um, 
when, he, when Herod saw that this made the Jews happy um, because he was saying things that they didn't agree with, um, he then goes after Peter. And Peter manages to escape. So Peter is arrested, and he's chained between two soldiers, um, and he had sentries. And I find, it, I find it really interesting that there's so much protection to keep Peter from moving um, when he's done nothing violent. It's just really an interesting thing. It shows you how much fear there was at kind of the deconstruction of what they knew. Um, because typically, if there's someone that's saying, you're a sinner and Jesus died for you, you wouldn't think, oh, I should chain them up because they're really dangerous, um, because they're saying someone loves me. Um, but they did. There's a lot of fear and anger built around the gospel because it deconstructed what they knew. They deconstructed what they believed in every possible way. Um, so we see here an angel wakes up Peter by striking him on the side, um, which you think he could just nudge him, but I mean, you know. Um, and he tells him to get dressed, to get up, and to go. And Peter obeys immediately, right? But Peter also thinks he's seeing a vision. So Peter has no idea that he's actually being rescued, um, which I find this whole situation is so funny because he gets to the gate of, of other believers, and he knocks on the door, and they recognize his voice, and they run off to tell people and leave him standing at the gate. Um, which typically you would think they'd like, you know, rush and open the door. They are literally so dumbfounded at his escape that they run off to tell their friends before they bring Peter in. And then they tell her, you're out of your mind. Like, this is not a possibility. Um, so then they go back and they, because Peter's still knocking, he's still outside waiting for them to let him in. Um, and he is finally brought in, and he tells them what God has done. Um, and here is really where you see the mission of, of the apostles and Peter start to happen. You see Paul on his journey and how he's making his way through cities and sharing the gospel and how people's lives are being changed. The church is being built um, Acts 1.8 is coming to fruition, and this literally changed the entire world. And I think, I was thinking through it the other day of like, I wouldn't be here studying this book to have a talk with all of you if Cornelius hadn't been saved, if the gospel hadn't spread to the Gentiles. Um, and I really have left this week just feeling an overwhelming gratitude um, that God is, his word is true, and he always, always fills his promises. And um, he's still doing it. He did it here. Um, and I know that he will continue to do so. 
Um, so let's just pray, and we'll close up. God, thank you today, Lord, for Acts. God, thank you for showing us your goodness. God, for showing us um, how you've fulfilled your word time and time again. And God, I thank you for Peter. God, I thank you for Cornelius. I thank you that you, um, you changed the world in unexpected ways, Lord, and that you save our hearts in unexpected ways. God, I just, I pray as we go forward this week, Lord, that you would help us to examine our hearts, um, help us to see the places where um, we don't want to be obedient because it's uncomfortable or we disagree with the way it should be done. God, I just pray that you would um, continuously be working in our lives um, and in our hearts to see who you are and to love you more as a result. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Allie, and thank you, everyone. Um, I hope you stay warm. I hope you um, get home safely, and we will see you next week. Uh, if you guys don't mind that have children over in child care, please head that way. Um, 